mind. And Brother Grace said something about Brother Light's sleeping habits or something. And, and so I, the first night I was here, I'm laying in bed, and I'm, I'm just kind of falling asleep, and all of a sudden I hear this, boom! Anybody else in that room hear what I'm talking about? Boom! But I wake up, and I'm what in the world? And stuff, and so I kind of went back to sleep, and after a while, boom! Again. I'm laying there going, what in the world is that? And then I begin to think about his brother Dan told me this story about them growing up. You know, you don't know, Brother Dave has always been a big wrestling fan. He's always saw himself as this great wrestler. And, and Dan said at night when he was extra tired, he would jump up on his bed and yell, Danny boy, you're going down, and throw him on the floor, boom. So I was laying there in my bed that night, and I'm thinking, wow. And so I started listening really closely. And just before I heard that third boom, I heard, purple boy, you're going down. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. It just came clear to me this morning. Anyway. <laughs> You might be in California if a man gets on your bus in full leather regalia and you don't even notice. <laughs> Unlike back home, the guy at 8.30 at Starbucks wearing the baseball cap and sunglasses who looks like George Clooney is George Clooney. <laughs> your car insurance costs as much as your house payment. It's sprinkling. And there's a report on every news station about Stormwatch 2019. You pass an elementary school, and all the children are busy with their cell phones. <laughs> it's sprinkling outside, so you leave work for work, from work for an hour early to avoid all the weather-related accidents. That parking lot you're in has an I in front of its number. I-5, I-10. <laughs> You're raising pigs to be service animals. <laughs> the paved road you want is as rough as the gravel roads back home. You and your dog have therapist. And the weather seems perfect. Okay, <laughs> I threw that one in. All right. Back to Philippians chapter 4 today. It's wonderful to remember that our Lord is at hand. That He could come at any minute. We should be busy, right? Getting, doing the things that God has called us to do because we do believe He could return at any minute. We begin addressing some types of men in a church and some of the men that we talked about may be in your church and as I said before, some of them may be you. And uh, we gave these descriptions. Ron Restless, Cal Complainer, Eddie Emotional, Willie Worry, Ned Negative, and of course, our good Filipino friend, Lackey Peace. And, uh, and so we saw in this passage, all of these men addressed, all right? So we're going to read that again. Let's stand one more time for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore, my beloved, uh, uh, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, 
so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus and I beseech Sympathy that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow labors, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. And as we begin to pick up where we left off, notice it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, and if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let's pray. Father, would you help us today, Lord? We've come to the last session of this meeting, Lord. And God, we just need to hear from you again, Lord. And I pray that you would do the work that only you can do in our hearts and lives. I need to be filled, Lord. Please, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we've covered Ron Restless and the exhortation was to stand fast in the Lord. We talked about Cal the complainer and uh, we said that he is to rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice. We addressed Eddie emotional and the Bible says to let your moderation be known unto all men. So we're going to pick up today with Willie Worry. And uh, I just remind you again the context of what I'm trying to get you to see. A church is a living organism. It has life. We're to be exhibiting what Peter talked about as a lively hope. A lively hope. That's a great thing, man. You know, you think about Peter. I, I mean, you know, when Jesus was arrested, Peter was, I mean, he was depressed. He was upset. He was denying. He knew the Lord and all that stuff. But now when he's writing that book, the Lord has resurrected from the dead. Peter is a changed man. And he's been begotten again unto a lively hope. And, uh, you know, men play a major role in a church. And by all means, we should be a power boost to all the services at our church. And we should be bringing life. Often, though, it's just the opposite. We're killing the spirit. And uh, when men are not bringing the Holy Spirit energy to a service then often it seems like it's dead, that there's no life in the music program, that there's no joy in the giving, and there's no power in the preaching. There are a lot of reasons, we're certainly not covering all of them, why men would lack Holy Spirit power, but their need remains, and some of the things we're talking about would help us to have that power that God would like us to have and that our services should have. Our services are to please and honor the Lord, to worship the Lord. And, you know, we need to be ready together to do that very thing. And let me just say this again. I want to just mention this one more time. You need to get out of the habit 
of coming to church and plopping down and saying, okay, preacher, do something for me. You need to get out of that habit. You need to come ready to hear, but you need to come, man, ready and say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm here to praise God. I'm re- here to bless God. I'm, I want to worship the Lord today and take part in the service. Take part in the service. Verse 6 says, the first part of verse 6 here in Philippians 4 says, be careful for nothing. To be careful for nothing is essentially the same as saying, don't worry about anything. That would be closely related to the verse about moderation. I mean, it is. There is no cause for worry when we find our strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, by the way, he has no shortage of power. He specializes in things that men see as impossible. Our God can do that. We should understand that. We should understand how he works with his power in our life. But you've got this willy worry guy. He worries about everything. He is full of care. He is anxious. By the way, this is not the care we talked about when taking heed to the church. This is the care that assumes the worst. And, uh, you know, and, you know it's going to happen anytime, obviously. Willie Worry has some strange habits. He worries about church. Preachers, sometimes we're Willie Worry. I have been. We're willy worry. I mean, you know, we, it, we worry about the offerings. Okay, maybe you guys have so much that you don't. But we do. Let's just be honest about it. We worry about the offerings. We worry about people leaving. We worry about the offerings. Did I say that? We worry about people being absent. We worry when some of the members say, well, preacher, we need to come and talk to you. We, we worry. It's just, you know, it is something that we can get into a habit. I know that in my ministry, there was a time I almost let myself be destroyed because of worrying about offerings and things like that when we were going through a pretty tough financial time. Willie Worry worries about his family. He worries about his job. He worries about the government. He worries about the weather. He's one of those guys, he worries if somebody else is driving. Of course, if he's driving, it's okay. Because you never do that with your wife, do you? Okay, but anyway. Anyway, uh, he worries if his tie, he gives his tithes or if he gives his missions that the money's not going to be used properly, or he worries that if he gives it, then some need's going to come up and he's going to wish he hadn't given it. If visitors come to church, he worries the pastor's going to say something that will offend them. (laughs) I just want you to think about that for a little bit because sometimes we think goofy things like that. Well, you know, uh, I know that they they don't, don't, you know, I'm from California, so they they don't, Think like we do about the homosexual problem. So if the preacher gets up and he starts preaching about homosexuality out of sin, they, they may, you know, just get really mad and upset. Have you ever thought about the fact that God knows where to meet people head on? <laughs> he does. God will confront you where you're standing against him. And believe it or not, most of us as preachers don't get up and look around 
okay, now i got something to preach. <laughs> I mean, really, we've prepared and God laid some stuff on our hearts. Those people need to get there and be confronted. Because I'll tell you what, if we don't confront people in their sin, they're not going to understand their need of the gospel. But he worries. He's not going to invite anybody because he's afraid. He worries that if he makes a commitment to give or to teach or something like that in the church, that people are start dependent on him too much. Now there's a reason why he worries. The next part of the verse says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know why he worries? Because he doesn't pray. It's simple that. It's simply because he doesn't pray. His prayer life is worth zero. Is worth zero. He doesn't know how to take things to the Lord in prayer and cast them before the Lord. His default then is to worry. You know what, Christians? Our default should be to pray. That should be our default. When something comes up that's, that's worrisome, if you will, it shouldn't be our default to worry. It should be our default to get on our knees before the one who can do anything. He's never learned to trust the Lord, so he worries. He's never learned these truths. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He's never learned, you know, uh, Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And I say this again, and I think that I'm becoming more aware of the fact that when we start talking about people being addicted to sin, there's a lot of sins like this that people are addicted to. He's just addicted to his worry like an alcohol, alcoholic is to his alcohol. Prayer is that communication with heaven that helps us to be able to trust the Lord. It's part of a relationship. Can you imagine how good a marriage relationship would be with, if only one side was communicating? How good is your relationship with the Lord when He's the only one who's communicating? You know, you worry because you don't know how to pray and give it to the Lord. Seriously. We don't know how to pray and give it to the Lord. And so you just worry. You know, you, you get your worry fixed when you go to bed at night. It's on your mind. So in the night when you wake up, it's on your mind. In the morning when you wake up, it's on your mind. It's just there. And you kind of repeat that cycle over and over again. But the exhortation is be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Supplication. Hey, listen, we have to learn not to worry, we need to learn to pray. Should we be concerned about things? Sure. But there's a difference between concern and worry. My pastor growing up was, he was from Texas, although we lived in California, and he spoke like a Texan. And I, my wife and I kind of laugh at this because he would say from time to time, weary is a sin. <laughs> For the longest time I thought when I was tired I was sinning. But anyway, no, but uh, you know, what he was saying is worry is a sin. It's the sin of not taking something to the Lord. If it's bothering you, take it to the Lord. Get on your knees. Hey, I'm so glad he wants to hear from me. Amen. He will listen to my prayers. That's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thing. And so, you know, this Willie Worry guy, hey, Willie, get on your knees before God. Get on your face before God and start pouring your heart out to him. And letting him guide and direct you. 
The next one here is in that same verse because it says, and uh, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I thought that kind of needed a special thing because you got this guy named Ned Negative. Pray with thanksgiving. There's a lot of people that pray, but they're really not thankful when they pray. We'd, We'd consider them more to be the whiners in their prayer life. Aren't whiny people such a blessing? said no one ever you know (laughs) it's sad that our prayer lives are mostly you know characterized by complaining you know you might say well at least i'm praying but i say to you if you're going to do something do it right and it clearly says here with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god when you come to god there's always something to be thankful for and it needs to be expressed You know, when you think about your kids, hey, if your kids need something from you, how do you respond when they come home? Dad, I need. You know, that's the way we are with God a lot. It should be. Dad, I'm thankful you're my dad. I'm thankful you have money. You know, it's something. I'm thankful, Dad. (laughs) There ought to be some thankfulness in there. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind you, it's not just praying it's praying effectively the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much the bible says god's not in the e for effort business god's going to say oh well you know you you meant good and uh, we need to learn to pray the verse says that our request should be made with thanksgiving think about guys how we are often with our wives she cooks She cleans, she does the laundry, she does all those things. And I come home, and she's cooked something I'm not really interested in eating that night. So what do I say? Oh, where am I at? (laughs) Right? Hey, I got a whole closet full of clean clothes, and I say, hey, where's my... You haven't done that yet? You know, and maybe once in a while that's not so bad, but the problem is we're not ever saying, hey, thank you for cooking. Thank you. I'm telling you, guys, when you get home, you need to start thinking about how, how much you lack a thankfulness towards all the things your wife does for you. Well, she never tells me thank you. Well, somebody ought to start the process, don't you think? Be thankful. Thank her for the things that she does for you. She'll think, man, something really weird happened to you at that retreat, but anyway. And, uh, you know, whining is bad enough, but when, when it's, you know, there's no thankfulness at all, it's amazing. Some men are just that way in their prayer life. We're in such a hurry, in such a hurry to tell God what we don't like that we fail to count our blessings. We fail to express to Him how thankful we are. By the way, do we have any reasons to be thankful? Hey, are you saved? <laughs> wow, I'm saved, man. I know that I'm saved. That's an amazing thought. Hey, are you eating? You look at me and you say, I know you are. Yeah. Are you breathing? Do you have any health? Do you have a home? Do you have a job? Do you have a wife? Do you have a family? 
Somebody said, well, you know, I, don't, I, I used to have all those things. I lost everything. I have nothing to be thankful for. Really? You know the Bible talks about a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? You know who that is? That is our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's always, if we'll just change the way we think, we can always find a reason to be thankful. You ever heard of heaven? You ever read the Bible? Ned Negative will never get his relationship with the Lord to a satisfying level. You know why? Because he's not thankful. He doesn't express his thankfulness, his thankfulness to God. And as a result, all his requests seem like whining, whining. We've got one more to get here, verses 7 and 8. The peace of God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, and if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. There is that wonderful thing called the peace of God. I, I believe that the Apostle Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail were exhibiting what is called the peace of God that passeth all understanding. They have been beaten, they're in stocks and bonds in the middle of the night in this you know, old prison, unjustly accused. And they're singing praises to God. I mean, really, I think they had the peace of God. It's a peace that excels above any ability to perceive. It really is. It's something one can experience that is more than the mind can comprehend. By the way, I pointed this out to you when you read it. It comes from the God of peace. Verse 9 talks about Verse 7 talks about the peace of God. Verse 9 says the God of peace. He's the one that comes and brings that peace to you. It's not as the world giveth. It's His peace. He gives us something the world cannot give us in His peace. Now where does, notice where this peace works. Keeps our hearts and minds. Guards our hearts and minds, Brother Rich. It does. It guards our hearts and minds. You know, that's where our thoughts and our conclusions, our opinions, all those things, we mull those over in our hearts and minds. We come to our opinions. And wouldn't it be great that when troubles came, that our hearts and minds would be kept from destructive and troubling thoughts? Yeah. Well, that would. This is not a standalone verse. It is connected to the prayer life. Verse 7 starts with, and. It is connected to our prayer life. If we want the peace of God, then we're going to have to develop our prayer life for sure. When we pray instead of worry, when we pray with thanksgiving, God will bless us with that peace that we're talking about. The peace that protects our minds from wrong thinking. Do you ever have any trouble in your thinking? Do you ever think wrong thoughts? Do you ever have these patterns of wrong thoughts? thoughts i heard this a long time ago and it, it actually makes a lot of sense we do what we do and we feel what we feel because we think what we think because we think what we think and so there he lists a whole bunch of things to put our minds on when we find ourselves thinking the wrong things we should think about things that are true that are honest that are just that are pure that are lovely that are of good report that are of virtue that are of praise. 
You know, one of the areas that we've got to learn to deal with is to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because thoughts do come into our mind that if we'll examine them, we'll realize they are not right. They are not righteous. They are not pleasing to God. So what do we do? Hey, we got to take them to the cross and say, you know what? This is not right. we got to put it to death. That, that thought is wrong. I've got to think correctly. Now, believe it or not, I think your wives may challenge you on this a little bit, but none of us really can think one thing, more than one thing at a time. It seems like my wife sometimes has got like, you know, all these tracks. My wife may be like yours. We can be having a conversation and all of a sudden she'll say something and it's like she's taking a right turn and I have no idea where she's at in that. And then we kind of laugh about it because it's like, okay, well, where did that come from? But anyway, and she, it's logical to her. She makes these connections and stuff, but it's like I wasn't going there with her. And, uh, but, you know, we can think one thing at a time. So if I can capture what I'm thinking, I can control what I'm thinking. Hmm. I want to teach you a couple of uh, exercises. Don't I look like an exercise guru? Yeah, I do. Right? Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, somebody taught me these, and these are really good. How many of you, I know this is a challenge, how many of you know the alphabet? Okay, all right, good, okay? And, and, and you can do it if you sing it, right? A, B, C, D, okay, you can do it, all right, but anyway. All right, so, hey, listen, listen to this. This is really good. You start with the letter A, and you think of something about God. Amazing. Good. How about B? Huh? Believable. C. He's Christ. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? You start taking your mind, and you start going through the alphabet. Well, I'll tell you what, and you get to X. Whoa! You'll cheat a little bit, probably, but anyway. Hey, I'm just saying, it's a way of taking, when you realize you're not thinking right, you can take the time to train your mind to think correctly. It really is. Man, I've done that. In fact, I've done it sitting in the dentist office. <laughs> Lord, I'm not thinking right here. <laughs> I have a really good dentist now, but man, before, it was like, hey, you know. And, uh, but, you know, we have to learn to correct our thinking. Another thing I learned, it's really good. If you have a hymnal, don't steal one from the church, but if you have a hymnal, sing through the hymnal. Sing through the hymnal. Well, you know, I, I, I don't sing. You don't sing? You don't sing to the Lord? That might be one of your problems. He likes to hear you sing. Even though you're tone deaf. <laughs> God has a way of, when it gets to heaven, it sounds beautiful. But anyway, <laughs> hey, sing to the Lord. Sing those songs. It's amazing. You know, isn't it amazing how when you start singing songs and, and songs are done in church the right way and there's some life to it and all that, it's like, man, it just, it does something to you. Hey, you know what? I really like during offertory time when folks are giving their offerings and, and the pianist, whoever the musicians are, whatever, they kind of understand worship. And they start playing a song that makes you start thinking about the Lord. And next thing you know, man, I was just like, I'm singing. 
You understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's just my thoughts and things are on the Lord because of the song and things. It's amazing. And I'm just telling you, we need to learn to do the work of, you know, this lackey peace guy. His mind is all over the place. He doesn't control his thoughts. He doesn't have the peace of God. You know, he's not working on it. We need to learn to do this. So I want to conclude this way. I wonder what this Sunday would be like if all the men that are here came to church filled with the Spirit of God. Standing fast. Rejoicing in the Lord. Letting your moderation be known unto all men. Not worrying, but committing everything in prayer to the Lord with a thankful spirit and with a mind that is kept by the peace of God. What do you think it would be like when the song leader gets up and says, we're going to sing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Wow, yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, and I'm not making fun of anybody, but sometimes, some people, I've learned this week, some people don't have to open their mouth a lot to get a lot of volume out, but some, but anyway. (laughs) But, you know, there's some of us guys, this is what we'll do a lot. You know, we got the hymnal open. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We don't look up. We don't do anything. Hey, listen. Hey, why aren't we? I was, I was taught to sing by letter. Open up and let her fly. You know? And, uh, and so, you just sing out. And I know that that can be irritating. And I mean, it, with everything within reason. But man, just sing out. Get involved in it. I mean, I, I think that's spirit-filled stuff yeah. in doing that. Man, you just think about that. Hey, when it's time to pray, when it's time to read the Scripture, when it's time to give, when it's time to preach, I wonder how things will be if we were all just doing what God wanted us to do and we're resting in the power of the Spirit of God. You know, I don't think you'd find that you need a new worship style. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'd just find that, hey, what you have is really good. And you know what? When that preacher gets up, not only is he going to be excited that you're paying attention, you know? I hate it when I get up and, you know, three or four people get up to go to the bathroom or something. So I can go, oh, yeah, they're they're really excited about hearing what I have to say today, (laughs) you know? And, hey, be excited about what God's given. I'll tell you what. Guys, if you'll let the Spirit of God fill you, tomorrow when you get to church and your preacher's preaching, you're going to get some stuff that'll be amazing. God will give you some amazing things for your heart and life. And that's really what we need. We need to do that. We need, our churches need to be on fire again. The ladies aren't the ones that are supposed to do it. And I, I hear people say, well, you know, if the young people get on fire, the church gets on fire. It doesn't have to be that way. There's, there's enough of us in here. Man, I'm telling you, those churches could be revolutionized tomorrow if we just let the Lord work and use us and follow these things and be the kind of people we should be in the house of God. Let's pray. Father, 